What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Ball or Nothing podcast. I am your host, Joey Capusta, and this is episode nine coming at you. Today, guys, we have the long-awaited NFC East edition of the pod. Uh, it's where we're going to break down the NFC East draft, uh, talk about what the season's going to look like for each team coming up, who improved, who didn't, strengths, weaknesses, everything after the draft. So now we got the NFC beast coming at you. And we actually have a special show today, guys. Like I told you, episode nine. It's crazy to think that we've done eight of these bad boys already. But on episode nine, we have a good crew here today. Welcoming back. You already know him, ladies and gentlemen. Your Arabian Knight, Mr. Ali Hatami. Ali, what's up, brother? Yes, sir, man. Good to be back. I've been looking forward to this episode. You know that. I bet you have, man. I bet you have with your shit-eating grin. Um, And then also... We have a representative from the Cowboys and a representative from the Eagles. So first from the Cowboys, we have the coach extraordinaire. He's a descendant of Vince Lombardi and Tom Landry, if you can believe it or not. We call him coach. It's Chris. Chris, how you doing, man? Don't ever forget it. What's up, ball or nothing? Let's get this going. Let's do it. And then we have another Eagle fan on the pod today. He also happens to be my little broski. Um, his name is Daniel and he likes to lift weights. That's about the only introduction I have for him. Dan, what's up? (laughs) What it do, baby? (laughs) All right, boys. Well, thanks for being on the show today, fellas. Uh, just for you listeners out there, um, these guys I have on here with me today, we pretty much talk shit to each other every single day. So this is just going to flow like a normal convo like we normally do. We got two Eagles fans. We got two Cowboys fans. And we're going to break down the NFC East. We're going to try to be objective. We're going to try to tell it like it is without shitting on each other's teams the best we can. But we're going to see how it goes. Um, Ali's very used to this, guys. But Chris and Dan, something we do to start off every single show is it's called Get It Off Your Chest. Doesn't have to be football related. Doesn't have to be sports related. Just vent. Get something off your chest. Ali, um, since you're uh, regular to the show, go ahead and start us off. Get something off your chest. Man, I, I, I pretty much say this every time. I mean, you know what I'm going to say. Um, my QB still isn't signed. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, that's really all I got. I mean, he, he's not signed. He's sitting out there. I think we're the only franchise that doesn't take care of this and nip it in the butt like like we should. So, uh, I've, I've come to the point, though, now, I, I don't blame just the front office. I, I blame both parties now at this point. Uh, you've given a lot of respect by the amount you're offering him. You know, he wants this many years, you want this many years. It's it's literally one year. Um, if, if, you keep, if you keep bullshitting around with this, Deshaun Watson's going to come swoop right in. He's going to get his contract, and now you're going to have to reset the table. And now you're going to have to have these contract talks start from the beginning, and you're going to have to raise the number. So you're at 35. Let's not try to raise it too much more than that. Um, but that's, that's, that's me. I can get that. I can get that frustration, man. And that seems to be a a ongoing theme with yours, getting it off your chest. Um, Chris, we'll kind of stay on that topic or maybe we won't, uh, get something off your chest, man. Tell us what's going on. Uh, Well, let's, let's start my, my friend first, Ali, you forgot about, uh, the insurance that we, we just invested in with the red rifle coming in (laughs) straight out of Cincinnati, baby. We don't need Dak anymore. Just let him. Bitch about his four or five year contract. We got the red rifle, baby. Let's go. No, but uh, I'm, that's that's a joke. But let, let's, let's get into what pisses me off right now. What's pissing me off? I'm sure uh, I haven't listened to all your episodes. It might have come up before. Um, but I, I think uh, 
the COVID-19 shit, I'm over this already. You know, I'm, it's, it's starting to infringe on sports now. That's pissing me off. And then I think um, you picked up on it earlier on social media, but the TikTok sensation, the TikTok craze. Maybe I sound like the uh, get off my, my yard guy, um, get off my lawn, old man, but um, the, the kids and their thirst for attention on TikTok, it annoys me. I don't get it, but that's what's pissing me off. I promise you I'm going to send you a TikTok. I, I swear to God on everything, I'm going to do it. I yeah, doubt... <laughs> the TikTok every day. What's that? I'm talking Chris. He's bitching about it. He's <laughs> one every day in text. That's because he secretly wants to do it. So it's one of those things where you pretend like you don't like it, so that way when you do it, you're like, oh, I'm just doing it just because I'm making fun of it. But you really like it. But, I don't yeah. care anything that's happening. What's going on? I'm gonna... <laughs> All right, well, good. Well, we'll move along to Dan. Dan, get some off your chest, man. What, what, what's been pissing you off? You know what I really hate was that weak-ass introduction you gave me. God, <laughs> I'm still thinking about it. No, um, you know what I hate is all these conspiracy theorists. The virus aside, the people that are saying it's it's just the government, you know, trying to control us, and that going to other conspiracies like people that believe in, you know, like flat Earth and and uh, 9/11 insiders. Like, you know, when you say that stuff, you are giving way too much credit because you got to be a smart society to pull off ginormous secrets like that i don't think anyone's smart enough to pull that kind of stuff off so conspiracy theorists are idiots <laughs> all right <laughs> did you want to know somebody i think he had uh i think he had a good introduction lined up for you but uh you took 20 minutes to get on and get logged in you had so many issues so fuck you that's a damn good point wow that's actually a damn good point i'll be honest ali I got one more thing I want to get off my chest that I'm annoyed about. I, I don't know what Sony's deal is with the PS5. Like, it's this top secret thing. But they will not reveal what it looks like, price. Xbox has already kind of talked about all this stuff, got me excited. I don't know what Sony has under that tent or what they're hiding or why they don't want to talk about it. It's not that big of a deal. Just give us the cost. Show us what it looks like. That's all I'm asking. Just want to play games, man. Don't care what it looks like at this point. Um, but, well, good fellas. I'm glad. It, it seems like you guys are ready to vent on that. You, you guys were ready to get that off your chest there. Um, I'm going to say one that I've said before too, but it's, it's team fan pages, social media, um, Facebook in particular, if you've ever followed your, your favorite team on social media, especially Facebook, I mean, look, I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan, and I'll just tell you right now, if you go to the comments section, the Eagles could post a picture of Lincoln Financial Field and be like, can't wait to get back home. And the next thing is, bring T.O. out of retirement, sign Antonio Brown, uh, trade for Jan, and then um, trade our backup long snapper for Randy Moss's son who went undrafted. Like, shut up. Like, stop saying all this stuff. These people are so casual that they're so used to playing franchise mode on Madden, on rookie mode, and shutting the salary cap off. And so this way they could have their Pro Bowl team and win 75 to nothing every single week and then think that that relates to the real world. Or they play in a fantasy football league with their office co-workers and they're taking advantage of Glenn from accounting who doesn't set his roster and who's going to trade you Zeke for, you know, a, a fourth-string tight end on the Bears. Like, people do that and then think, like, you know what? The Eagles have had receiver troubles. 
I don't know why they just don't, you know, go get Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins. Problem solved. Like, shut up. If I, 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 I just tell you right now, we're in quarantine, and if you're bored, go to your favorite team's Facebook page and just look in the comments. It doesn't even have to be about anything. Just look at the comments and look at the arguments that happen in there. I'm so sick of it, I can't even describe it anymore. It's insane. And I'm picking on my team right now. I guarantee you any team that you find, it'll be insane like that. So just social media, Facebook pages for those teams, it pisses me off more than anything. Yeah, <laughs> I had to get that off my chest. Well, good, boys. I'm glad we got that out of the way. Now let's start talking some ball. Um, as you know, the show is a draft recap for the NFC East. But with what's been happening around the league, Virtual training camp has started with teams. Um, this is where they're kind of holding everybody accountable virtually. I know some people are on, you know, Zoom calls or Google Hangouts like we're doing right now, and they're doing workouts together. They're going over plays, whiteboard, different things that they're wanting to do in the program. How do you guys think that this is going to affect each team going into the season? Do you think some people are going to be lazy because they don't have Big Brother looking over them? And then what do you think about the Saints being the only team too righteous for everybody else that canceled their entire offseason program just because they felt that the COVID pandemic was too big for them and they decided to get out in front of it? So, Dan, since you're a newcomer to the show, we'll go to you. What do you feel about that right now? Um, it kind of worries me. You know, like, I know, I know we're about to talk about our draft picks and stuff, not to spoil too much of what's ahead, but with all the guys we take, and it's the same with every team, you want them on the field and you want to people to mesh. You, you want, um, you know, timing down on routes. Like you want all that stuff. How are you going to do that in zoom? Like it's, you know, there's going to be a big element missing and it kind of worries me, you know, with that missing. But it, then again, we're on every team's on the same disadvantage there. So it'll be tough for rookies, I guess you could say. Yeah. Chris, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, these are these are unprecedented times for everybody right now. I think um, when you look at the teams where we're at uh, currently, uh, sitting May 14th, um, you know, a lot of these things post-draft, you're, you're going to be going through a lot of meetings. There are going to be film discussions. So I think um, in that regard, you can make you can see some positives in in adding in new um, technology into the to the teams and things like that. But absolutely, when it comes to working out and exercising, that's where I have the biggest concern. Are you going to have guys that are that are lazy that, that aren't putting the work in? You're going to have that on these teams. And, and sorry about that, fellas. You're going to have that the, the guys not working out, and that's where you're going to have some some issues and some difficulty. Yeah, I think so too, Ali. What do you think about um, Sean Payton trying to get ahead of it and just saying, being too stubborn and saying, nope, we're not going to have a virtual off season while every other team does. I mean, that's that's him and just his natural arrogance, isn't it? I mean, that's just kind of how he is. I mean, you see how he operates on game day and, and you know, his attitude post, you know, press conferences and this and that. He he exudes that type of arrogance, and that's just that, that's just carrying over to his philosophy on how he wants to, this offseason to go. Um, I, I'll say Dan's point about the rookies, that's my biggest concern is, is the rookies coming in and, and learning and understanding uh, with their teammates. Not having that as an issue. I think from a physical standpoint, um, it's great that I see all these guys, you know, working out, doing drills, working out with, you know, uh, you know, coaches or not, not team coaches, but coaches on positions on uh, outside of the team. I mean, that's great and all, but the problem is you can get in shape, 
But you can't get into football shape unless you're in your mini camps, your OTAs. We'll see what happens with training camp if that happens. But there's shape, and then there's football shape. And they, there is no football shape with what they're doing right now. You hit the nail on the head right there. It's impossible to replicate football shape without actually being in that football mode atmosphere with the rest of your teammates, coaches, trainers, staff. So I completely agree with all with everything you guys said. And, you know, speaking of the draft, speaking of draft picks, before we kind of, you know, analyze each team's picks here, um, with being our favorite teams are in the NFC East, Talk to me about your favorite draft memory. And when I say favorite draft memory, I more so mean one that stands out most to you. It could stand out in a negative way, or it could stand out in a positive way, or it could just be a memory where you were like, holy shit. So talk to me a little bit about that. What's your favorite draft memory? Ali, we'll, we'll stay with you on this one here. I want to see what you have to say. Um, 2010. Uh, so I, I was actually, this is the one time I actually missed the draft. It was a cruise. It was a uh, thing with some friends, and um, it was they were getting married and everything like that, so the timing wasn't great. So I couldn't watch the draft, um, but when the draft was over the first round, I logged in, wanted to see what happened, and somehow in the 20s, Des Bryant fell to us at, in the first round. I, I couldn't believe it because he was a stud at Oklahoma State, loved his game at Oklahoma State, and I almost fell out of my chair when I saw he fell to us. I know there were some questions with the NCAA what do you do with Deion Sanders when he was in college, you know, being suspended. But that was a great memory because I, I just didn't think there was any chance of that happening uh, just because of the type of player he was. And it, it's kind of similar to what just happened this past draft, a receiver kind of falling in our lap. But not to have recency bias, going back to 2010 and Dez falling to us in the 20s. I like it. Chris, staying on the Cowboys topic, what about you? Yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually going to use um, the one you just mentioned. And even, it, even if it was recent, I mean, just getting C.D. Lamb, and, and, you know, I know we had a lot of talks leading up to the draft um, about, you know, Eagles fans, what their kind of desire was in, in terms of the first round, how it fell out. But, I mean, I think y'all remember my reaction. I, I was completely shocked. Um, I, I was shocked more so because, you know, in, in my, you know, given all credit where it's due, my team's done a, a decent job in drafting in the first round. Um, but I just didn't see them making the gutsy move of, of taking the talent over you know a need and, and so they kind of impressed me there I was, I was really stoked really happy that we got uh, one of the drafts uh, best playmakers there with cd lamb so i'm excited to see what we can do gotcha yeah. now dan i've pretty much watched every draft with you since nom um what what stands out as your favorite draft memory or a draft memory that sticks out to you it was a tough question because most of them uh like all blend in together i was like wait was this draft at this bar or was it at that one or whose house was it at? Uh, so I, c- I couldn't really decide like player wise, like us when we got this guy. So I just decided on when uh, David Akers decided to body the entire city of Dallas, <laughs> um, you know, just Boy, for the hell of it. That I mean, what, yeah, what was he, fun. was, was there anything in particular that he wanted Dallas fans to know that day? Do you remember? I don't know. I think he just woke up on the wrong side of the bed, maybe, and just you know wanted to take it out on somebody, and that was his first chance that day, I guess. I was looking for him to rub the Super Bowl victory in, but that's what I was looking for in that he answer. I mentioned that actually. Now I think about it, maybe once or twice. But yeah, that that was that was beautiful when he did that. I like that as well. Um, Ali, I don't know if you were there for this, but Chris was, and Dan, I know you were. It was the draft where. 
a certain player had fallen to the Eagles and the Eagles traded up four spots. And I was like, oh my God, we're going to do it. We're finally going to get a player that I like because we never take a player that I really, really have a love affair with in the first round ever. It just doesn't happen. Earl Thomas sitting on the board there for us, for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I'm like, here it is. It's Earl Thomas, baby. Let's go. We're at W3's, shameless plug. And all of us are on the edge of our seats. This is before, like, you could record with your phone and stuff like that. So we're just like, hell yeah, let's go. But uh, a friend of mine had a little camcorder and was recording our reaction. And when they said Brandon Graham, don't get me wrong, I love BG now. Super Bowl hero, I love Brandon Graham. But don't get me wrong, but at that time, no one said a word. No one cussed. No one said anything. The person panned to all of us, and we were just frozen. Jaws dropped. Still waiting for the commissioner to say, nah, just kidding, it's Earl Thomas. But he didn't. He said Brandon Graham, who was kind of like, I think, a late first round, you know, three, four outside linebacker at that time out of Michigan. So he wasn't really too much on the radar. But I just remember being absolutely shocked at that pick and us just being like, what the hell? Again, it turned out. Yeah, it, it turned out good. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It ended up turning out great for us. But at the time. That's definitely something that, that shook me to the core. I'll tell you that much. Um, all right, cool, boys. Thanks for those uh, memories there, um, especially the David Akers one. I love that. Let's jump into it. Let's talk about the NFC East draft here. Um, we're going to start out with how each team looked. We're not going to get into too much detail here, but we're just going to pretty much give you our opinion on what we think each team did and how they're looking going forward. So um, first up, we got Washington. Um, Ali, I'm going to let you tackle this one, man. Um, talk to me a little bit about Washington's draft, what you like, what you didn't like, or, and what were your overall thoughts on it? You know, I'm actually a, a big fan of their, their draft, specifically their first five picks. Um, you know, Chase Young, Antonio Gibson, Sadiq Charles, Antonio Gandy, Golden, Keith Ishmael. I mean, Chase Young speaks for itself. Obviously, we know that he was the best player in that draft. Uh, Antonio Gibson, big fan of him. As long as you don't pigeonhole him as a receiver or a running back, just let him do what he does, which is everything. With his speed, his size, he's a really nice player, so big fan of his game. You know, Sadiq Charles, he, he's got a legitimate shot of, of starting even this year. Um, I mean, the reason he fell was, you know, kind of character concerns, etc. but talent is there. Like, he's an athletic dude, and he could play. So that's a nice pickup for them. Antonio uh, Gandy-Golden. Obviously, with all the talk of the receivers, he was a big mention of that as far as the depth of this class. I did like him. I, I think you liked him more than I did, but I, I did like him overall. He's, he's a solid player. And Keith Ishmael, he's a, I was looking at him. I, I didn't know we were going to go, obviously, and trade up for Beadish when we did. But I was looking at Keith Ishmael as like a fifth-round guy as a center out of San Diego State. I think he's a good player. Um, so they, they added pieces to their O-line, their D-line, so they built their trenches. Um, and got a couple offensive weapons in there. So overall, uh, you know, I, I like their draft. The last three picks are more of a, hey, can they stick around on special teams? But I thought they were, I thought they were a good draft. Dan, he talked about athleticism, and I know you, you're a spark guy and you're a RAS score guy. Like, what did you think from an athletic perspective on some of those picks there? Um, I agree with the Antonio Gibson deal. Um, super athletic, super fast. Um, you know kind of not a lot of mileage on him so i mean you know they lost chris thompson so he'll be a good you know short area guy for them regardless if it's in the slot out of the backfield they can get creative there um you know ollie hit on most of the other people what surprised me is that they let go of jordan reed and vernon davis 
so they just got like, you know, just some garbage man at tight end. Um, I actually had to look. I was like, who's the starting tight end? And, and Jeremy Sprinkle was the top of the Jeff the depth chart. <laughs> so I mean, what does that tell you? You know, and then just a bunch of you know carousel receivers behind McLaurin, um, Gandy Golden. We'll see. You know, big body, but you know, not not crazy fast. You know, overall, you know, obviously the Chase Young pick solidified a, a huge D line. Like that D line is is crazy, crazy yeah. dangerous. Like that is that is a a dog on the loose. You know, with rabies, like he. That's going to be – that's the only thing that's going to keep them in games that I see, you know. I think they have, like, four first-rounders on their D-line or something like that and a second-rounder, right? Like, I think if, – if I'm not mistaken, they have four first-rounders. They have five? Was Montez Sweat a first-rounder? Yes. Oh, so they do have five. They have five first-rounders on their D-line? Yeah, it's insane. Oh, my God. I didn't realize that. I thought Sweat was a second-rounder. Chase Young and Montez Sweat, you're going to have Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen in the middle – they still have Ryan Kerrigan. They got Kerrigan, too, who's wow. still good. So, I mean, yeah, that, that's a loaded front. It's done. So you better have an O-line uh, to be able to block that up. That's a, good, that's a good point of them taking best player available with Chase Young. Obviously, like, that's a no-brainer, like, no shit. Like, t- they're taking Chase Young at two. But, like, that wasn't even, like, a need for them, and they took him to solidify that. That's nasty. Um, let's move into the Giants, Chris, um, with the Giants draft. Um, how did you think they looked overall? Yeah, I think they did a lot of good things for their their young quarterback. Certainly, um, I definitely, you know, when when you look at getting those um, O linemen early in those first um, three or four rounds, of course you had Kurt. I like Kurt. Um, Andre Thomas, one of the best tackles, obviously in the draft, um, if not the best. I liked Xavier McKinney as well coming out um, leading up to the draft. Obviously, he was um, one of the targets for the Dallas Cowboys. So. Um, you know, I wasn't sure if he'd be playing, you know, with a star on his helmet or not. But we ended up going a different direction. But a solid, definitely a solid first um, first four or five picks for the for the Giants. Um, I still think they're a little bit further away. Um, you guys just talked about the Redskins. You know, you can kind of liken them to the East Coast version of the 49ers. Um, you know, you, you don't really know uh, quite about the um, the quarterback situation there yet. They got some weapons on offense, but that defensive line is, is nasty and they're going to give um, teams a lot of fits. But as far as the Giants go, um, I still see them being in, in a little bit of a retooling stage right now. So they're, they're going to see what guys work up front. Um, but if that O-line can get going and, uh, of course, Saquon Barkley, if they can get him um, running, that's going, to help. that's going to help Daniel Jones out a lot. Yeah, I really like what they've done finally with their offensive line. Well, I don't want to say like it because I hate the Giants, but – They've really made that an area that they wanted to focus on and improve on. Um, so I could, I mean, look, they took Shane Lemieux, they took Pert, they took Andrew Thomas. Those are three guys right there um, that they took in one draft to help solidify their line. And whether or not they play right away or not, whether the reserves, they're still showing um, attention to that area of need. So I like what they did there. Um, let's just let's just go into it, boys. Chris and Ali, like, we'll jump into the Cowboys draft right now and. I'll just go on record and say, look, I've spoken on this podcast numerous times. Um, I know Dan has said as well that we really love C.D. Lamb. So obviously that's going to be a home run pick for you guys. But, Ali, talk to me about your draft a little bit, um, what you liked, what you didn't like, and then where you think um, was the best 
pick for you guys based on where you got them. Yeah, so um, I'll only touch on CD just for a bit because I mean, obviously that's 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 well known. I mean, falling to seventeen had no business falling. Um, to add him to to Gallup and Cooper, um, Blake Jarman being your tight end, uh, you know, weaponry wise, you know, Dak's got all the weapons right now. So obviously that's a that's a tremendous pick, and the fact that he can play inside outside will be really nice. So love the pick, a big fan of his, obviously. You know, kind of going down the road, and I'm not being a homer when I say this. I kind of we kind of joked about it during the draft. It, it felt like every pick that we made, like value wise, was really coming in. I mean, you think about Trayvon Diggs at fifty one. That was a guy that was considered at seventeen. Not that you know everyone considered him a first rounder, but that was an actual literal consideration to get him at fifty one is tremendous. Six uh, two, good athleticism, good length, perfect corner for what we're trying to do schematically. Um, so that was a tremendous pick, Reggie Robinson. Uh, another corner, long, lean, athletic. Uh, another guy that I liked as an early day three, and that's exactly where we got him. Uh, Neville Gallimore, I, I liked a lot. I, mean, I was thinking second-round pick to get him in the 80s. Um, I think after one year of seasoning and development, I think he can really be a terror at the three technique. I, I really love his game. Um, so th- those were tremendous picks. I think Bradley and I falling to the fifth is just that, that was something that I did not see. Same with Curtis Weaver. I mean, we didn't draft him, but those two guys really shouldn't have fallen where they did. But to add him to the D line with Neville Gallimore was a really nice pick. Um, trading up for Tyler Beadish, we'll see. He's you know he's had an injury history, but outside of the injury history, he's a potential top fifty pick. So we may have just found our center of the future, replacing our our last Wisconsin guy. So. I don't know. I just I just thought value wise they just hit pick after pick. I mean, if you're saying which one do I hate, I don't actually hate one. If I have to pick one, you know, I didn't know the James Madison quarterback Ben DiNucci. I've watched some highlights since then. He's kind of an exciting player. We'll see if he sticks on as a uh, third string guy. But I, I honestly got didn't hate any of the picks because the value was there each and every single round. Good for you, man. I'm glad you didn't hate any picks. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, Chris, touch a little bit on that as well, man. Whether you have a differing opinion or whether you're on the same page there. Yeah, don't don't expect any hate from me either, my friend. I just think that this this time they they really knocked it out of the park this year. Um, I, I haven't been able to say that every year. You know, I, I um, if I can touch on one one place where I've had some negative feelings um, about drafts recently, if I kind of go off off script here a little bit. You know, again, I, I kind of briefly talked about the CD Lamb pick being let's take the talent over the need. So if we go back just a couple years, and, and again, uh, us Cowboys fans were still recovering from the sting of picking Taco Charlton over, you know, over what? And I, 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 I'm going to live with that um, for the rest of my days, but I was just proud at what the team did this year in terms of really digging in and finding the value, finding the talent um, in deeper rounds. Ollie nailed it on all fronts there. Um, so, you know, it's, 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 um, right now it's evaluation phase, you know, again, I've said it before when the rubber meets the road, that's when we find out the true value of these picks. Real quick, as far as your taco and, and TJ Watt thing and the, and the reason it's different and you can be proud of how they kind of approach this is because they're finally getting out of that, that mindset, that philosophy of, make the fl- players fit the scheme. Instead, it's the scheme needs to fit the players. That's that's Mike McCarthy. He's talking about, give me the players, I'll make the scheme work around them. Garrett was, I have this scheme, I need the players to fit into this scheme. And Rod, Mar- Mar- Rod Marinelli was the same way. That's why you got a Taco Charlton. 
they knew he could put his hand on the ground. They didn't know if T.J. Watt could put his hand on the ground. That's a scheme thing, okay? You're not taking the better player. You're taking the scheme. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's where that comes in, and that's, that philosophy change is huge. Yeah, I can agree with that. I think I think when it comes to scheme and picking player versus that um, and whether they can incorporate into that or whether you change your scheme based on the player you get, I think it also depends on the personnel you have around at the time. Um, so if you already have kind of like a set roster, maybe you can afford to take a risk on a guy in that capacity or if you know he's going to be more of a depth or he may not start until the next year or two. But yeah, with, with what you just said, like I, I completely agree. I, in my head, as the Dallas Cowboys were drafting each pick, I thought, wow, this guy's still on the board. This guy's still on the board. Not only would it be a good fit, but they need that area. Like, they need secondary help. They could use a pass rusher. Like, they could use a center of the future. So the way it fell to you guys, I thought, was pretty – it sucked. But, um, yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree with your assessments there. And we'll move on to uh, the Eagles now. Dan, you and I can tackle this one. Um, the division champs. Right now, we'll speak about them. Um, look, came under a lot of scrutiny. We all know that with the Eagles picks. Um, first round, Jalen Rager. Um, I get why the Eagles took Jalen Rager over um, Justin Jefferson. I know Justin Jefferson was pretty much the, I don't want to say lazy, but it was just the right end. Oh, the Eagles are on the board at you know 21. We're going to put Justin Jefferson on there in every single mock draft since the history of Nam. And that's what it was. But when you look at the Eagles offense, talking about scheme, you have two tight ends in Goddard and Ertz that run a lot of 12 personnel. That's taken up a lot of the middle of the field, a ton of the middle of the field. So to draft a primarily, and I'm going to say primarily slot receiver, regardless of what people on Twitter and any of the other Atlantic's, uh, analytics say that Justin Jefferson can play outside. He caught 95% of his passes from the slot last year, but yeah, he could play outside. I get that, but that's not where he wins. That's not where he's best. So therefore, I understand why we passed on Jefferson for Rager. You look at a guy like Rager, a guy that can play the X or the Z, um, you could bring him in high motion. You can line him up in the backfield. He's built kind of like a Percy Harvin, Steve Smith type to where he's rocked up, but super athletic. Uh, Dan, you could touch on this. His spark score is through the roof. Um, one thing I will say collectively about the Eagles draft is we switched it up too, kind of like you were saying, Ali, how you had Marinelli and the guys that had a different philosophy. Well, we had a different philosophy in previous years where we looked at college production over athleticism. So if two guys were similarly, similarly rated, we took the guy that had the 1,200 yards and t- 10 touchdowns over the guy that tested through the roof at the combine that only had six touchdowns and 800 yards. So when you take the relative athletic score, RAS, you could look it up on each team. The Eagles actually ranked number one in the entire draft in their relative athletic score, which tells you, yeah, a lot of guys we got are raw, but we have fast, strong, athletic freaks that with a great coaching staff, which we have, should be able to put in pieces into place. So um, I'm going to stop rambling on about that. Dan, what, what did you think about our draft? Yeah, that's that's one of the key points I wanted to make was um, – now, the, correct me if I got you wrong on that. It, it sounded like you said – and I don't know if you contradicted yourself. It sounded like you said we took college production over athleticism. In the past. In the past. Oh, in the past. Okay, never yeah. mind. So I, I'm, on, yeah, I'm on board with you then. Yeah, because I was going to say 
it's the exact opposite because, like, I'm looking at, like you said, I was looking at spark scores, and it, the 40 isn't everything, you know, as we saw from the Al Davis days. Um, but I, I was looking at, I know you like those spider charts. You know, the, the 40 times, damn near every one of our guys, at least skill players, were 90th percentile. Like, just burners. And, and that's what we wanted, you know. That's what we were absolutely lacking last year. And we took a gamble on some late ones, but we got Gregor. Um, Gregor. <laughs> I know y'all hate I say everyone's last name wrong, even if I've heard it a thousand for, times. For the, audience at, for the audience at home listening to this, Dan is notorious. He will mispronounce names on purpose, but he'll also do it just to piss anybody off. But I really think that he, he's starting to do this on purpose now. So go ahead with Raygor. Is, is, is that a Warcraft character? Dan? <laughs> you know what? I think that's where I, I watch too much Lord of the Rings and I pronounce shit just totally weird. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's where we put all our eggs in is just getting faster, getting more athletic on both sides of the ball. The, the only thing that worries me is, and it, it comes back to the, the virtual training camp and all that is, how are we going to get reps for all these guys and, and see who we want out there? Because even if you're just looking at the big names right now, we're moving Rancor all across <laughs> the uh, field. But then who do we – you're going to have D-Jax on the outside. Um, Alshon, I'm pretty sure, isn't going to be back right away. Does JJ slide in on the outside as well opposite? Because we traded for Goodwin. Um, you know, we, we've got – who's the odd man out? really, you know, in the rotation. So, I don't know. I mean, but it's 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 kind of a, um, what's the phrase? Like a, um, a gluttony of of goods. Riches. Yeah. Embarrassment of riches. Rhaegor, Rhaegor is a gluttony of goods, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> last time I... <laughs> but, but, Ali, what do you got? What, what do you want to add to that there? Yeah, I, I just want to add, you guys talked about the, the philosophy change. I mean, look, speed kills in the NFL, right? I mean, speed, that's just what it does. So um, that was obviously the focus. Um, I'm interested in some of these day three guys, these speed guys, the high towers, uh, Quez, what is it, Watkins, I believe? I don't know um, if Quez Watkins is even going to make the team or he may be a practice squad guy, but high tower is somebody who I'm really intrigued with. Yeah. Well, and, 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 second fastest 40 in the combine. Right, yeah, absolutely. And, and that's the whole point. It, it was speed, and, and again, speed kills. And I, and I wonder, those guys, who, who makes the team, who doesn't? Um, a lot of rawness there, but like I said, if you can if you can tap into that potential, I mean, there you know you potentially got something really nice there. I, it reminds me of uh, when you guys took Sheldon Gibson in the fifth round a couple of years ago. That speed guy, that down the field guy, uh, he he didn't pan out, um, but that it kind of reminds me of that a lot of these you know kind of throwing a dart and seeing if these guys hit. So you know it's interesting to see, um, but yeah, the philosophy was speed. And by the way, day three Prince from Auburn. Really like that pick. I mean, I know he's got something with the knee, um, so we'll see if it's degenerative or, or if it'll last long term. But uh, that that was a nice pick. At at worst, at worst, he's your swing tackle for the next four years. And if Andre Dillard continues to suck, maybe he's the guy that that steps in at left tackle. You know, I looked at the Prince pick kind of like I did at y'all's um, Tyler Biotis, or I don't know if I'm saying that right. Pick yep. um, injury concerns are there. But if you could erase that injury and say going forward, this player will remain relatively healthy, First then the, the skill set, the, the 
bulk, the athleticism, the size, all of that, you got to look at two steals right there, considering, like you said, those are probably both two top 50 players. So um, I get the risk, especially being in Philadelphia, taking a player with an injury risk is never good. But if you're taking one in the fifth, sixth round, I guess you can afford to do that. So, yeah, those are definitely two player comps that I think, especially both being offensive linemen, that I think, if healthy, could be steals for both teams. Hey, guys, uh, Sean Oakman was a freakish athlete, too. We saw how that panned out. Was he? Did he catch footballs? Yeah. Did he at all? Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah, okay. Freak athlete. They always translate. What about the elephant in the room in the second round? Uh, We weren't going to talk about that, but all right, look, I'm going to go ahead and address it. So Jalen Hurts, you know we took him in the second round. Um, Backup quarterback is the most popular position in Philadelphia. We won a Super Bowl on it. Um, If you go back and look at the Jeff Garcias, even when Michael Vick was the backup, the Coy Detmers, uh, even Kevin Cobb, you name it, we've always had a backup that has come in and won some games for us. Um, Not trying to troll or rub anything in, but the NFC East last year was won by half of a game. It was won by half of a game. That's it. That's decided who went to the playoffs and who went home. And I know we're adding an extra playoff spot this year, but if you have a guy that could come in and is a change of pace, and Dallas fans, you could both probably attest to this, you would probably be ready to rebuttal me if not for taking the Andy Dalton, which can help you do this thing that I'm about to talk about, is if your starter happens to go down, and it doesn't have to be an injury-prone situation like a hammy. Let's just say that they have a concussion and it's mandatory they miss that next week. Or let's just say it's, you know, they got a cracked rib, and it's two to three weeks, but one of those weeks is your bye week, so you're really only missing two games. Do you want to just throw a guy out there, uh, Tyler Cherubini from any given Sunday, who's just going to fall off the bench, and you know they're going to hand it to the running back nine times out of ten? There's going to be 20 men in the box, and you're going to hope to God your defense holds them under six points? Or do you want a guy that can come in there, change the pace, still run the offense, and get you one win, maybe two wins in those two weeks, and keep your team momentum still on track towards the playoffs? So I get it. Do I like it in the second round? No. But I will say, looking at the quarterbacks that were taken after after Jalen Hurts, there wasn't much to be had there. And I think he would have been taken in the second round anyway by another team. I just think we had to jump the gun because we had nobody back there. Ali? I, I just, yeah, I mean, look, quarterback is incredibly valuable, so I get it. And, and Wentz has missed some important time, important games, so I get it. I just, you know, in the 50s to take a, let's just say hypothetically the next four years, Wentz plays every snap. Let's just say that. Um, I, I've heard the whole thing about, you know, can they implement some packages for Jalen Hurts, et cetera, et cetera. I'm just thinking at 50, this is a premium pick. I, I view the first 100 picks as premium picks. And I'm just thinking, as a, if I was a fan, I would have loved a Logan Wilson or a Willie Gay or something like that 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 got drafted after him. Like, there's potential that he may not have any impact for the next four years. Now, maybe he does. Maybe he steps in and does. But let's just say hypothetically, Wentz plays the next four years, no issues. Man, it would sure would have been nice to have a Logan Wilson or a Willie Gay in, in that linebacking core. So that, that's just my thing. I just think a premium pick on something that may not get utilized very much um, is a bit questionable. So. No, I, I, I completely agree with you, but unfortunately the Eagles' philosophy is they don't give a shit about linebackers. So that's – while I would have liked – you know I, I had a crush on Logan Wilson pre-draft. Willie Gay is a freak athlete that would have fit the mold that we were going for for height, weight, speed guys. But, yeah, 
look, do I think it's early? Yes. Do I think he would have been there in the third? No. That's the way I'm kind of looking at it right now. And I know, Chris, you and I kind of talked about that where he would have been on other teams' radars too as an insurance policy, as a as a nice project. Because he's so athletic, because he's played for big-time programs and been in championship games, the kid has that pedigree that you could coach up and mold into something, maybe some type of a weapon. We'll see. But enough about the Eagles, guys. I, I thought I'd never say that, but enough about the Eagles. Let's talk about our the Eagles and the Cowboys going forward now. Post-draft, um, we kind of touched a little bit on the draft, so let's not try to be too redundant here. Um, we already talked about what picks we like, what picks we didn't like. Um, let's talk about Dak a little bit. One of the things you want to get off your chest. Um, Chris, let's just, in this world, in this scenario right now, Dak does not sign his extension before July 15th. Does Dak play on the tag? Yes or no and why? Yeah, I think I think he's playing on the tag. I do I do believe the deal is going to be done, but I, I think the the second the fallback plan would be he's playing on the tag, um, and they'll continue to work on you know negotiations throughout the year. I, I I've said this before. I, I don't know what happens between two men behind the closed doors as far as the negotiation table goes. What what has to go on there? You know, it, it seems like um, on a lot of Cowboys fronts that, that that the sticking point is a year right now. So. I'm hoping they can they can come to some uh, you know common grounds and get this thing done with. But absolutely think Dak wants to be here. I think he wants to play. He's a competitor. Um, this offense, this team right now is 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 primed and, and ready to go. So I don't I don't think he's going to waste an opportunity um, and, and hold out on this. He'll play on the tag. It's a good it's a good chunk of change. But um, you know whatever's whatever's going on with some of these deals and taking um, Jerry you know taking a little bit too long, dragging his feet on him. Um, you know, low ball in the offers. If this is what's really occurring, um, he's got to kind of step back and, and take a look at these things and, and how that impacts the team and, and start getting these deals done. Um, but, you know, before these other um, contracts come out and, and kind of force us to, to pay um, these players a little bit more money. Ali, same question, man. Dak attack. Does he play on the tag if no deal's done by July? July. Yeah, because no one's going to say no to $31 million, uh, especially when he made a little over $2 million the first four years as far as his rookie contract. So, yeah, he's, he's going to play. Is he going to come in at the very last second? Probably, which which would be very disappointing as as your franchise leader and your quarterback. So is he going to play? Yeah, it's $31 million. I got you. I would just love all those headlines. It's never a dull season or off season in Dallas, that's for sure, especially with the Sports Center headlines and whatnot. Um, Dan, I got a question for you, Eagles-wise. Um where did the Eagles improve most this offseason? It could be a positional group. It could be a couple different groups. Where do you think we improved the most, whether it be from the draft, offseason, you name it? I think you got to say receivers. I mean, in my head, I was like, is it receivers or secondary? Because those were our two biggest weak points last year. Um, we improved in both areas, but I think we're taking a bigger leap in the receiving area. Getting Deshaun back. Um Drafting Rager in the first, um, adding Goodwin, like all of those, I believe, are, are we're going to realize our full potential that we thought we were going to hit last year instead of just clawing our way down the season. Um, you know, the secondary I think is going to be quite all right. Um, even though we we lost Malcolm, it's not that steep of a drop considering the additions we made with Slay. Um, drafting Kayvon Wallace, you know, 
we're going to be okay back there, especially in the D-line getting better as well. That's going to help the secondary. It all trickles down. So I got to say, it's the obvious answer, but it's, you know, it's receiver. It's going to be leaps and bounds better. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I was kind of leaning secondary, but mainly the cornerback spot. I look at the fact that last year we had Ronald Darby and Jalen Mills as our starting corners most of the years, and that's just laughable, especially considering how bad Ronald Darby was. Um, and now you have Darius Slay, who's going to travel with the number one wide receiver, and Sidney Jones, who the last four weeks of the year, when thrown in the starting duty, played well. I mean, played so well. He had the game-clinching interception in the last game of the year against the Giants. Um, he made several pass breakups the first game against the Giants when we needed to first win that game to get on our four-game winning streak. Um, he made the big play on fourth down against the Cowboys, breaking that up on the fourth down ball against Gallup. Um, the guy was just making plays once he was getting confidence and once he was starting on the outside. So you got Jones and Slay starting on the outside. And one of my favorite players, Strap, Craven LeBlanc, manning the nickel. And then even if we need to go another nickel guy, we got Roby Coleman as the other one too. So I think the cornerback room is tremendously upgraded. But to your point, last year our receiving core heading into the playoffs and heading into week 16 and 17 against Dallas and the Giants, we had Deontay Burnett, Robert Davis, Greg Ward, and that was it. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside only played a handful of snaps. Like that was our receiving core. So the fact that you can now have a healthy Deshaun, a Jalen Rager, a Marquise Goodwin, and maybe a John Hightower added into that mix, what is, not that this play even exists because this isn't a video game, but what is to stop those guys from just running seams or go routes and then having Ertz and Goddard tight to the line work the middle? Like, you can't double anyone. It's They're taking the top off of the defense, and that opens up your screen game too. So I'd have to say receiver and corner probably tied for the best improvement amongst that group. If I had to guess, but anyway, let's get down to the nitty gritty guys. Let's get what we came here for. Let's make our predictions right now. Um, Chris, I'm going to start with you. Who wins this division and why? And then how many teams from this division make the playoffs considering seven get in from each conference? Well, Joey, um, I'm glad you asked because I've been looking over the schedule. I don't see a loss on the Cowboys schedule. We're going 16 and 0. This is my prediction every year. And Chris, I don't want to interrupt you right now, but for the listeners at home, I've known Chris since kindergarten, and every single year, like even before the internet, even before phones, it's 16-0 and 0 every single year. So just I want to preface that for you. So I'm glad to see that you're still sticking to that trend. I'm sticking to it. I don't see a loss. But no, I, uh, I, I do think this is a, it's going to be another tough division, and we, we say this every year. Um, it's, it's always close. It doesn't matter how good or how bad you are. Um, in this division, all the division games are close. The race is going to be close again. I think it's going to come down to um, the Eagles and the Cowboys again, and and, I, and we might have the seventh, um, the seventh representative to the NFC playoffs uh, while within our division. I do um, at this point, right after the draft, and again, um, not not trying to be a homer. I do I do see us winning the division at ten and six, um, but like I said, it's going to be close. It's going to come down to the last few games and. Um, you know, it, it's, there's potential that the, the Eagles are that seventeen. That's what I see right now. Dan, what about you, man? Who wins this division? Why? And then how many um, teams from this division are making the playoffs? Uh, Eagles are winning the division. Very simple. Um, I'm not. No, I'm not going to bash the Cowboys because I honestly. All right, I'll do that then. Firepower 
of that team right now. There's there's absolutely no reason that they should lead lead the league in offense. That you know Dak should throw for five k. You know it, it, it's just I can't. And you guys got Blake Jarwin now. You actually have a competent tight end running routes and actual potential. You watch, you watch your mouth when you talk about the tight end position. You watch your mouth. Blake the Snake. <laughs> but, you know. Appreciate that shot at Jason Witten, my friend. But, you know, it, the reason I say that is because of how much we improved. Yes, Dallas improved as well. But we we won the division last year on, on what we had. And if that wasn't even our what I told you, Joey, you know, a while ago, that wasn't even our full potential for that season. And now I believe we've even gone beyond last season's potential right now with what we have. So I have full confidence in our team is what I'm saying in winning this division. Um, I am not going to, what's the phrase? I can't, I don't know the phrases today, but I'm keeping my eye on New York. I think they have so much talent on the offensive side. And with shoring up that offensive line this year, like that, you know, they have so many playmakers. They, they, they have the same equipment offensively, minus QB, um, that Dallas or Philly has. So I don't see any reason they can't stay in any shootout with what they have there. So I can see, but I mean, with how, how good the NFC overall is, Probably not. They probably won't get in. But I would not be surprised if some magic happened in New York and they somehow made it in. Chris, what do you think about that? It's it's crazy to imagine Saquon Barkley um, running into your secondary with a whole full head of steam because his O-line is actually opening up uh, holes for him. Yeah, I don't want to see that, so I'm with you on that, Dan. I, I think they're dangerous. I, I would still say that I, I, you know, I, I'm still putting New York just because they do have a lot of um, some question marks on defense and things like that. I, I, I don't love their um, receiving core either, so I, I still think they got a ways to go. I, I do think that Washington is going to be a problem. They're going to hang in games because of their defense, because they're going to be able to get after the quarterback. They're going to be able to control the run game up front. So I think they're going to give some teams some fits. Again, I, you know, both teams, I, I feel like their offense is, isn't quite there yet, but I think when you look at how strong the Washington defense is going to be, it's going to keep them in games, and if they can stay within striking distance, you have McLaurin, you're going to have a healthy Geist. You know, th- there's, there's some opportunities there where you might see um, Washington surprise some teams. Ali, who wins the division and why, and how many teams making it? Um. Yeah, I, I truly do believe. I, I think Dallas does win the division. I say right around maybe like eleven and five. Real quick, as far as Washington and New York, I, I think both are still a year or two away. I, I still need to see good, competent, consistent quarterback play from those two teams to really be concerned about either. So until Haskins and you know Daniel Jones, you know, show me something more consistent, I, I'm going to leave them a year or two away. Um, but yeah, I, I see us at eleven and five. Uh, you know, we upgraded the wide receiver position, adding C.D. Lamb. I, I do think physically and ability to play on the field, yes. Blake Jarwin is right, obviously a better tight end now than what Jason Witten was. I mean, he's obviously faded. So having an athletic tight end that can attack the seams is something that we haven't had. So that's really nice. Um, still have that O-line. You're going to have Zeke and Tony Pollard. Uh, I, obviously, I, 
you know, I, I love Dak. So this offense is the potential is, you know, incredible. I think Mike McCarthy and the staff more than anything is, is really a big upgrade as well. When you think about what we had last year, um, I thought we filled a few holes here and there on defense, um, but I see us at 11 and five. And I, I do see, um, you know, the Eagles, I think Eagles will make it as the second team from the NFC East. If it happens to not be us and you guys win the division, I would see us as, as a team that also makes it. So I still do see two teams one way or the other making it into the playoffs from, from our division. Yeah, I got to agree with you there. I, I, I think just like last year, the, the two teams going to be fighting for the division title will be Dallas and Philadelphia. Um, you guys touched on what some of the biggest additions to the team was. Um, for the Eagles, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Health is our biggest addition this year. Uh, Dan kind of touched on it earlier. Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, Zach Ertz, Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks, um, Jason Peters, Miles Sanders, <laughs> Jordan Howard. Um, all these guys missed time last year. Every single one of them. We got to the playoffs and Carson Wentz gets cheap shot and has a concussion. Like, I watched a hype video on the Eagles today, and it started out gloomy so that it could build you up and get you hype at the end. But the beginning was just everybody, Avante Max being carted off, Fletcher Cox, you know, damn near tearing his peck, like guys leaving with concussions, broken ankles. It was like one thing after another. And I see people joke around and say like, oh, Wentz didn't really carry the practice squad guys last year. That's just a narrative. No, you're right. It is a narrative because you know why? These guys weren't on a practice squad last year. They're hanging out at the Jiffy Lube up the street. They weren't even in the NFL on a practice squad. That's who they were. We don't even know who these guys were. So I think health is the biggest thing. Having a fully healthy roster and incorporating, incorporating that speed, athletic freak element to it is kind of like the perfect mixture to me. So I'm going to say both Dallas and Philly make it. I'm going to say both Dallas and Philly have the same record. I'm going to say that they both have 10 and 6 because I think it's going to be a little less than what we always think because there are those trap games. Those are There are division games. Washington and the Giants are division games that are going to give us a hard-ass time regardless of whether we like it or not. So I'm going to go 10-6, and 10-6, and six, but the Eagles win the division based on tiebreaker of beating the Cowboys' ass the last game that they play them in the year. So that's just how I feel about that. That's just how I feel about that. Say it with my chest. Um... But, yeah, boys, I really don't care if you like that or not, but that's just what I'm going with there. Uh, <laughs> so, since we're talking about the Cowboys and Eagles, since I got you all a little bit hyped up right now, real quick, as we're wrapping up the show a little bit here, give me your best Cowboys-Eagles memory um, from this rivalry. Uh, Ali, we'll start with you. Yeah, I'll go back to 2009. It was a series of things. We played you three times. Whereies! <laughs> it was 2009. Um we, we played you all three times. We'll, we beat you all three. Uh, the last two games, we actually beat your ass. Um, week 17, we beat you 20 to nothing for the division. Did and I, then they didn't score, did they? They did not. It was zero. So that's, wow. a, that's a good observation. Same amount of touchdowns Dak scored with the playoffs on the line last year. So, but go on. And then the very next week, we had our uh, the wild card game. We won 34-14. So another blowout. You beat them two weeks in a row? Yeah, and by significant amounts. Um, and don't forget, Chris... The very first game was the Sunday nighter in Philadelphia that we all went to. That was a joy as well. So 2009 as a collective whole is probably my favorite memory, just beating their ass back-to-back. Oh, that's that's great, man. It's a good thing I don't have any ammo for this or an answer for this. But, uh, Dan, what about you, man? What was your favorite memory? I had to dig deep. Um, 
44 to 6, probably my favorite of all time. Just every everything about it, not only the game itself, what was on the line, the division, the playoffs, but where we were, how it was happening, everything that happened as it was going on. I was like the perfect amount of drunk to remember it, have fun, and just be wacky and, and everything that happened there. And my favorite moment in the game, one of B-Doc's um, strips of Marion Barber that we housed, one of many housed fumbles that game. Is that the MB3 effect that he stripped? Might have been. <laughs> Might have been him. But there's a, there's I can't find pictures of it, but after Doc did that, he was like, either exhausted or emotional that it happened and he was on the ground on the on the sideline and donovan mcnab and uh brian westbrook came up and picked him up and like the, all three of them went back to the sideline and uh that was like it was just so cool to see that moment through my favorite egos of all time just and and that moment everything encompassing that moment was just so awesome i concur i like that as well christopher what what crap ass memory do you have here at the rivalry I have so many, so many. So things. many, man. There's so many. <laughs> I, I think I was in a, these are, these are, no, 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 no I'm not going to go into that. I was in a house full of Eagles fans when, um. Was this the, one of the times you got your ass beat? Or no, 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 no. This wasn't, this wasn't a, um, this wasn't a Capusta household, but I was in an, I was in an Eagles household. I'm not going to talk bad about anyone on the air here, but, um. It was a bunch of casual fans that have adopted the Jaguars since. Um, however, this was the year after um, Taylor Owens had left the Philadelphia Eagles, and um, we, put it, we put it on that ass. Um, it was it was a good game, um, thirty-eight to someone. Anyone else have a? Oh wow, hmm. it was it was a good game, man. I, it was, that was that was a nice memory, um, getting To and then. Waxing the floor with that ass. Great, man. I'm great. That was a good memory for you. I have a memory as well, guys. Um, you know, my favorite game, coincidentally, happens to be the same one as my brother. And I'll go into a little more detail here. Um, the Eagles needed a slew of things to happen for them to even get in the playoffs. So even if they beat the Cowboys by, oh, I don't know, let's say a score of 44 to 6, so lopsided, even if they were to beat them by that, the Cowboys would still win the division and make the playoffs because of the strength of schedule in the NFC that the Eagles would have less than. So that day, the Eagles needed the Raiders, who were in last place in their division, to travel across the country in Week 17 to Tampa and beat Tampa, who in the NFC was fighting for a wild-card spot. The Raiders did that. Then the Eagles also needed the Houston Texans to go beat the Chicago Bears. As the Chicago Bears were also fighting for a wild card spot. The Houston Texans had nothing to play for. Week 17, they had packed it in. The Houston Texans won that game as well. Then, there was reports of the Dallas Cowboys being late to their team flight to Philly. Kind of being casual about it. Not caring. Ah, oh, we're going to Philly. Ah, oh, we already made the playoffs. And then... After the flight had to be waiting on them for them to get on and take their time to get to Philly and take it seriously, now it's on the line. Now it's time to play the Eagles. And the Eagles came out and beat the absolute piss out of the Cowboys, 44-6. And I have a runner-up as well, guys, just in case you wanted to know. My runner-up was last year the, for the division. The Eagles had nobody 
on their roster healthy. Not a soul healthy. Not one. Besides Carson Wentz, he was healthy. But they're in t- but did you know an interesting stat that the Eagles lost the most starter snaps? And I'm going to phrase that because I know you guys will look up this stat. The most starter snaps lost in the NFL by any team last year was the Philadelphia yeah, Eagles. That is a lazy stat. And we still won the division, so that's my runner-up, boys, so I like it. cherry-picking things. <laughs> so those are our memories of this great rivalry. I hate my Cowboys friends. They hate us too. But I want to talk about hate a little bit more, guys. Make this really quick because we're winding down the show. In the NFC East rivalry, give me some players from each team. <laughs> One from each team, if you want to, that you've hated throughout the NFC East rivalry. Chris, why don't we just go ahead and start with you, man? And on your, on your favorite game, Spud, sometimes the sun shines on a dog's ass. I hate Deshaun Jackson. I'm glad he's back. He's old. He's washed. Put him on the field. He's not getting off the line. <laughs> we'll be all in it. <laughs> oh, God. That sound clip is going to go viral, Chris. That sound clip is going to go viral. Um, do you have any other ones? Any Giants or Redskins you didn't like? Uh, I guess they've been so irrelevant for so long now that I, I haven't even put that much thought um, Giants, definitely Eli Manning. Um, just just looking at his face made me want to vomit. Um, I, I didn't like Odell Beckham either when he was with the Giants, just because he's he's just he's so cocky and arrogant. Um, and and for the Redskins, oh god, I'm on the spot here. But um, again, it's just just been the fact that they've been so irrelevant for so long. I don't even give them much credence well thanks for not giving them much credence i appreciate that um dan what about you man what what players did you hate through the rivalries throughout the years i mean i this one was hard for me to do but just hearing what chris said it just popped into my head i actually hated tony roma so much i hated him and the reason i hated him because i knew he was actually good like, I knew he was legit as hell, and that's what worries me. Same thing with the Dallas team now. I fucking hate them, but they're a, such a fucking talented squad, and that's part of why you hate them. They're they're in your way. But someone I probably hate more, uh, I call this the Tom Brady effect. It's overrated athletes that have a shitload of stats. Jason Witten is a big, fat pile of shit, <laughs> and I fucking hate him. But how do you feel about it? And, and there's exact opposites, by the way. Tony Romo, I hated him, but I knew he was good. And when he got to the booth, is a godsend. Is an absolute Albert Einstein of football. When Witten got in the booth, <laughs> it, I'd rather have Booger McFarlane <laughs> talking to his mom. Like, oh my God, it was so terrible. He was so, it's like he never played football before. And honestly, the way he played, it looks like, Jason, just run this out, please. Run run your dad bot out seven yards out to that corner right there, and I'll toss this to you. I don't know how it happened for 29 years straight, but. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm going to give you his his Monday Night Football um, experience wasn't wasn't the best. It was a tough scene, as I say. <laughs> you're not going to disrespect a, a, a Hall of Famer. Right? You can put some respect on that. Because he will be in camp one day, and his bus will be there forever. You understand that? Great, man. Great. 
Ali, what are, what are some players you hated throughout the division throughout the years? Uh, for the Giants, I, I couldn't stand Brandon Jacobs. He had a big-ass mouth. Um, yeah. And I think for the Redskins, when, when he was there, D'Angelo Hall was a punk as well. I thought he had a big-ass mouth. Um, for the Eagles, Donovan McNabb, again, big-ass mouth. I hated him. I still can't stand him. He always kind of took shots at Romo, which is why I didn't like him. Uh, but he, you know, he's just a he was just a mouthy guy who could never even break four thousand yards. I, I wasn't a big fan of him, but those would probably be my three guys. You hit on a couple of mine for the Giants. I had Brandon Jacobs and O.C. Umanyara. Hated both of those guys. Um, for the Redskins, um, I had D'Angelo Hall and Chris Cooley. Believe it or not, Chris Cooley just pissed me off. Like fullback, H back, tight end. You know, he was always around making a third down catch. Get out of here, clown. His number, I hated his number. Was it 46 or something? Like 47. Yeah, it was, he had an ugly number. I'm done with him. For the Cowboys, I obviously hate Zeke now, but one I really hated back in the day was Patrick Creighton. Like, Patrick Creighton would catch a two-yard out on third and 18 and adjust his pads under his neck and, like, do a little shoulder shimmy and just be like, look back, like, yeah, man, we got it. We got Shut up. You don't need to adjust your pads every time you take a step. I hate you. Like, I literally hated him. And every broadcast, you just say, oh, he used to play quarterback in college. Go look at, like, he wasn't a four-year starter at quarterback or something like that or played it. Like, he took a couple snaps. Like, but, like, what a transition for Patrick Creighton. Just think, he was playing quarterback in college for four years. No, he wasn't. Now he's catching two-yard outs and adjusting his punter pads. No, I'm done with him. One of the all-time greats. One of the the all-time greats. You're right. Yeah, put him in the ring of stars or whatever the hell y'all call that shit. The stars of ranks. All right, guys, speaking of rivalries, we're going to wrap up the show now. I know we've been saying it for a while. We're going over our limit here, so I want to make it quick. Give me one rivalry in TV or movies right now. Shoot it out to me. You each got 10 seconds to talk. Chris, go. Top Gun is coming back out this summer. I'm ready for it. Iceman and Maverick. Nice little rivalry there. I'm ready for Top Gun, too. Attaboy. I like it. Daniel. Uh, nothing beats Batman and Joker. Not bad. Ali. Um, uh, Thanos versus ah. Thanos versus the Avengers. That's all I got. Oh God! <laughs> all right, I got um, Seinfeld and Newman, or Dwight and Jim. Those are my two choices for rivalries. Um, boys, I appreciate you coming on the show. This has been the NFC East. I know we're gonna talk shit to each other the rest of the week. Um, real quick, run it down the line, Ali. Let the listeners know where they can find you. Yeah, Twitter. Uh, Twitter handles M. <laughs> now that we've been talking about it, but MB3 Effect on Twitter. MB3 Effect. It's I've had it for a while. Obviously, haven't changed. I like it, Dan. Let the people know where they can find you. I had to look mine up. I didn't know what it was. Danny underscore Z-U-K with a zero. Hey, Dan. Danny Zuko. Hey, Dan, do you still have Twitter. me blocked? Uh, I don't know about that. I'll have to check my settings. <laughs> I got to call tech support. Chris, Chris, let the people know where they can find you, man. I went off the wall here for my Twitter handle. You can find me on Twitter at IngramBoy0507. Eagles suck. Let's go, baby. That's a, that's a long Twitter handle for those of you Very keeping long. score at home. And, guys, this has been a fun show. You know you can find me. I am at ScooterMcGilly1. That is at ScooterMcGilly1. Be sure to follow the show as well 
at B-O-N underscore pod. That's at B-O-N underscore pod. Be sure to like, subscribe, and follow this podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This has been the NFC East Roundup, Ball or Nothing, Episode 9. See you next time, guys.